Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racism within Michigan performing venues. I'm Ashley M. Lyle, and today I'm joined by a fellow amazing actor, Brian Kennedy. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hello. Hello. I am doing well. Thank you so much. Good. I got your name right this time. <laughs> Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Listen, and, and and it is nothing nothing towards you, but I am terrible at names and birthdays. So <laughs> I don't take any any offense. People call me Candy, Canada, Kennedy, Brian, Brianna, Broan, Chick-fil-A. They they just my name just comes up as B-R-O-N, Bron. So that's fun. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Why don't you describe to me your style of acting? I love this question. I love this question. I internally feel like this Queen Latifah Raven Simone hybrid. And that is what I aspire to do in, or, essences that I bring with me into how I perform on stage that now that's interesting a Queen Latifah Raven Simone hybrid now that that's a hell of a hybrid <laughs> and I, I love it it's, it's it's enough you know serious there's enough comedic relief there's enough slapstick but it doesn't I don't everyone has their strengths you know in this realm and I I don't know if the really intense like drama is always for me because I think in real life, I'm a very intense feeling person. And sometimes I just can't bring that over into just like my creative release. Uh, So just being in that kind of middle ground, like comedy, dramedy, slapsticky, realm works out for me or and ha- has worked out for me thus far who knows where what kind of actor I'll be in five years so w- would you say that that is your strengths the slaps absolutely yeah. absolutely I am a goofball <laughs> if you if you're I think it takes a lot to get it out of me sometimes like into the character but myself as a person I am a goofball <laughs> I I think I'm just I think I'm hilarious and that's all that matters. But um, I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of directors that have been very um, skilled at working with my strengths that way. So now you, you went to, you went to California to pursue an acting career. Is that correct? I don't know what I was doing out there. (laughs) Um, I went out there for, I would say, my top three reasons for going were to follow whatever type of acting career suited me, whatever type of acting career LA would bring to me. That's one thing I love about my specificity in theater is that theater is done everywhere, all the, all the places, all the time. So it wasn't really about 
I need to go to New York to do theater or whatever. I just wanted to do good theater and be paid well for it. Uh, in terms of the being in LA, there's the television, there's the film and everything. And I did want to branch out into that. I do still seek to, uh, to build that skill set. Uh, and at the time, I also had a different podcast with my still very best friend. We had a podcast called The Hierarchy, and it was two. It was supposed to be this cannabis influencer, black woman cannabis influencer lifestyle podcast with you know some queer stuff mixed in and everything, but. Because I left LA and I don't think I knew of the technology to record far away, it's now defunct. Aww. And that's okay. And but being in LA, those what was it? I was there less than 90 days, you know, uh, was a good experience for me to get out, to get outside of this bubble, to break this bubble for myself. So I went out there for many, many different sorts of reasons. And I also I hadn't been out of Michigan. I hadn't lived anywhere else. I hadn't really seen anywhere else. I wanted to be somewhere where it's a little bit warmer. And I learned that just because the sun is shining does not mean depression will not hit you. <laughs> I was like, if I move, I'll never be sad again. And I was still sad. So I came back home. So how would you how would you say that yeah. you have progressed throughout the years as an actor? It has been a journey because I think I am a, I believe that I'm a different actor in the last five years or so than the type of actor I was when I first entered the industry. And what I mean by that is, uh, you may have saw my, seen my Facebook post about this. Um, when I started out, I was cast as the, as the best friend some comedic relief, but you know, the mom, the the nurse or the lawyer, just those types of typecasting, not ingenues, people, leads or romantic interests. I wasn't cast as that. And I do believe mm -hmm. that those require different sorts of skill sets to hone in on in, in the technique of acting, be it film or theater, like they're different. They have different levels of interaction and communication. And maybe I would say the last three or four years, my physical appearance shifted. And that opened up doors for me to experience things that are more front and center. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, you want me to hug and kiss up on this man? You want me to do what? <laughs> but hello? <laughs> I said, I was, I was, I, I had to, for myself, relearn uh, acting, and I had to relearn scripted intimacy mm. through the the physical things that I went through in myself. I had to learn, you know, different forms of you know intimacy in my relationship with myself, which then poured into my craft. And I had to learn how to, you know, just to navigate that, and that has been very challenging and very vulnerable. And I think one of the biggest, biggest things about who I am now is that I've had the opportunity to tap into uh, some, I, I will say, skins of vulnerability, different characters that have allowed me to see levels of vulnerability that I have not seen in my real life due to just, you know, not having seen them in my real life, not having seen, you know, a 
healthy relationship or something, or just a healthy moment of, of love between two people at a particular stage in life or underneath these circumstances. I, I, I refer to like characters and things as skins mm-hmm. to put on skins. So different vulnerability skins. I've been able to tap into those. And those have changed me as an actor and me as a person. So you were talking about the different challenges that you faced reaching reaching your vulnerability and um, intimate intimacy, the intimacy side of yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you want mm-hmm. you want to um, elaborate on that a little bit more or sure, okay. sure. So I and I will thank this woman until the day I die. Belicia Charnel Hines, director of Black Theater at Wayne State University, is one of the people, what was one of the first people to rip my soul out of my body Mm. and have me leave it on a stage. And (laughs) yes, it was when we were doing Song for Coretta. And there's this dual monologue between two of the characters at the end. And I was the character who had just gotten back from being deployed, experienced war, had a gun to her face. And her her the monologue was her reliving it in the space outside of Coretta Scott King's funeral. And it was very emotional. You know, this is a, a person with PTSD reliving damn near being, you know, assaulted and, and with a, you know, a, what is, what are guns do they have in the army? AK 47s or something? Assault rifles. Um, assault rifles. Yes. Yeah. In her face and watched her buddy get blown up. He's to smithereens on the side of her, you know, like that is, there's power in, in where that comes from internally and how that comes out through my mouth. And she was one of the first people to pull that out. And it, it's been a, the vulnerability had to come from a place that was, um, I had to do a lot of tension release exercises Mm -hmm. to really, to really tap into feelings and letting feelings flow through me because I didn't know that I had so many blocks in my heart center and my feeling center and all these things because I'm a I'm a head person I'm a, I think about things um, I feel a lot of things but I'm thinking about a lot of things and in theater sometimes you can't always be thinking right you know you just gotta feel and you gotta do and that was a big challenge for me and Belicia before we got into tech week and and usually tech week is where I have my revelations. That's where I'm like, Oh great. I know this character. I know the points now I get it. It takes me, I have a long creative process in that way. So shout out to every, every director that's dealt with me through that. (laughs) But um, before every show and right into tech week. And then before every performance, give or take Belicia would sit with me in the, um, in the lobby of the Hillberry, I would lay out on the floor and she would like help me like stretch. She would like poke at like my like muscles, like places that were like emotionally like blocked. So um, for me, it'd be like my chest, um, my rib cage, my arms, like these different things. And that was, that was kind of like my awakening into the vulnerability space that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was about, that was my senior year at Wayne State. So, phew, 2014. Okay. 
and uh, it, it it's been a an uphill a, a positive uphill battle from there being able to experience learning to experience vulnerability um, and I and I carry that with me that same just taking that time to like release you know all the stuff we learn in, in theater school the tremors and and the stretch like all of that really I really found my like place in mm-hmm. that and and being able to tap into the different skins through that sort of work well it sounds like this um, was um like prep prep uh, prep work that you had to do before each show or each rehearsal is that does that right yeah I, yeah I had to do it before each show I don't think I did a show without taking that moment even if I only got I don't know, 15 minutes of it in or something like that. Because I also, I wasn't in the top of the show, but it was like less than a 90 minute show. So like, there's not enough time, right. you know, right. to, to have a moment and then get ready to do the show. Uh, but it, that was one of like the defining moments of tapping into vulnerability for me. And the, ne- the my next one would be when I did a show, it was right before the pandemic with Mama Yo, Yolanda Jack. Mm-hmm. She called me up and said, I need you to come do this show. You have 24 hours to learn the script. And I said, yes, mama, whatever you want to, whatever you want me to do. Like, it's nothing. (laughs) And that was one of the, I think one of the first scripts that I come across where I was actually like a lead, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, like the lead person. And this lead person had a boyfriend and this lead person was hugged up with her boyfriend on this couch. And the lead person had to low key kiss this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had never done that. Mm. Here I was at, well, this was, so this was like before the pandemic. So I was like 26 going into 27 or something like that. Top of my 27th year. And I had never had like, had to like kind of, Actually, no, let me backtrack. That would be my third one. The second one would be when I did Bright Half-Life by Tanya Barfield at, at Theater Nova. And that was um that was a lesbian couple. Mm. Have you know Constellations by Nick? What's his name? It sounds familiar. I'm I I can't I can't quite place the show, it. It's a show where there is a story, there's a plot line, but it's not told in order. Mm. And the the script, the scenes are very, they're, they're blink. They're like very small glimpses, you know, five to six lines. And then it, re- it could repeat itself and be like one word or one sentence different. And that's what uh, Bright Half-Life by Tanya Barfield was. And it was about an interracial lesbian couple going through their 20, we would, I would estimate maybe 20 something year relationship marriage from when they met on this ferris wheel to them going skydiving to them watching their daughter take their first steps to them post-sex and then it will repeat a different point of when they were on that ferris wheel and or or them on an elevator screaming at each other going into the apartment and that was that was the next time where i had to feel that was right out of undergrad Mm -hmm. too uh that was the first time where i had to where i was a, a lead and then also feeling the a relationship with someone feeling this relationship outside of or in just a theatrical space because I, I had to kiss this woman I had to be in that post-sex moment with this woman had never experienced that outside of like my own mm-hmm. life at that time 
And that's, you know, that's different. And then the third one would be when I did Mama Yo's show when she was like, I need you in 24 hours. You got to learn this boop, boop, boop. And I was like, okay. And this time was another piece of, um, this was another thing outside of my comfort zone because it's a man. Right. This is a whole man. I don't, <laughs> I, that's not me. <laughs> this is a whole man. And while I'm not, I'm not like petrified or terrified of men, it's just, I did not get into theater being this lead person, mm -hmm. having to interact on those levels. I was the best friend. I was the mama. I was the lawyer. So I don't have to deal mm -hmm. with being hugged up on a man when I'm doing my, my It's a work. whole different responsibility. It's a whole different responsibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's th those are my three points of vulnerability through my career so far. And it gets... It's getting easier. Mm -hmm. It's certainly getting easier. It's always easier when I can relate to the content, even if it is like a man involved, but it's just like, what's being felt here? Have I, do I know where this is? Can I relate to where this is stemming from? And it, and, and it has gotten easier. So now I don't have to go through a whole like tremoring experience because after all those tremors, I would be crying. Mm. The first time that it happened, Belicia was standing um, over me. I was on my knees going through my lines and she was just like pushing on my shoulder. She was just pushing down, pushing down because this woman is in a ditch. Her buddy is blown up. There's a right, there's a gun to her head. Like she's just pushing me, pushing me. And I just broke and everything that I, like I suddenly could see every single thing that this character was seeing in that moment. Mm. And it, I, I have a, a picture from that and then like, I can see like the tears and like where it was at and whoo Thank you, Belicia. <laughs> Sounds like that was real heavy. It was, it was a very, it was very heavy for me at the time being just this, what was that? 23 or something. Still just very not who I am now. Mm -hmm. So I think if, if I had seen that role now, I would feel differently and maybe be able to tap in. But for where I was, the lack of emotional availability uh, that I had, the, the, you know, my chakras and stuff being blocked and not having all the emotional intelligence that I have now, whew, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. I, I, I can, kind of, I can, uh, I can relate to that. I, um, I mean, not, not doing the exact same type of show that you did, but I had to, my very first professional show, I had to, I performed an all, um, uh, one woman show about Lena Mae Baker. Did they make a movie about this? There is a movie about it that came out a long time ago, maybe like 2002, 2005, Tishina Arnold played Lena Mae Baker. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody That's talked okay. about this movie. Yeah. Nobody talked about this movie. Tishina should should have gotten an Oscar for that movie, hands down, flat mm. out. She was absolutely phenomenal. And the the biggest problem is that that movie is no longer in print. Nobody oh. has it. I happened to see it because somebody was streaming uh, movies Ill illegally on Facebook. <laughs> mm. The person mm. who did it said, "Hey, give me a request," and I said, "Okay, this movie." And he played it. And I was like, what the? <laughs> so, right. but I saw the movie. It was amazing. Amazing. So when I had to do the, when I did this play, 
I had to reenact the rape and I had to reenact mm. being electrocuted. Mm. Both of those times were so incredibly hard, so incredibly mm -hmm. hard. And, and I had the chance to talk to Crystal about this too, uh, Crystal Delhue. And mm -hmm. we were mm -hmm. talking about this in her episode where I, I never experienced anything like that in my entire life. And I was coming just, just up out of community theater. So to come from community theater, where at the time I was in the ensemble for Sister Act, I go right into a one woman show about a woman being raped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it, it, it was, I, I was a mess after that show, an absolute mess. So I, what was your, for me, when I do shows, especially hard shows, mm -hmm. I can't, I don't like to go, like people are like, all right, let's go to the bar. Let's go out. I'm like, uh-uh. I need to go home, take a shower. I'll meet y'all there. <laughs> what's your what's your your come down process for that? How have you regained? How do you leave it on the stage after going through that? I'm always curious about people's process and of leaving it on the stage. Well, for that particular show, like I said, I was just a one woman person. So right after that show, I was I would go in my car, sit in sit in my car for like a few minutes. And then I would turn on uh, the SpongeBob soundtrack, the SpongeBob musical mm. soundtrack, and blast mm. it all the way until I got home. I, I would say that I probably played the best day ever like three times before listening to the other songs. <laughs> you oh, know, because okay. I needed okay. I needed something that was joyful. I needed something that was lighthearted and silly and stupid, and something that would just put a big ass smile on my face after dealing with yeah. a really traumatic uh, representation of what actually happened to another black woman, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. um, so it, 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 it like I said, I, I was messed up for real after that show. Yeah. I had to, I just kind of, it, it, what I will say is this, after a while it started to become numb. Mm -hmm. So and something that my mentor told me many times when, when things start to feel, because when we do things in repetition, we become comfortable with it. If you start to become comfortable, find other ways to make yourself uncomfortable and find mm -hmm. new things. Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that, that's what I ended up having to do. Um, it was at one point where I literally got, I lost myself in the story mm. where I didn't realize that I was this far ahead in, the, in telling the story. And it was like in the middle of the show, and I'm like, "Oh wow, I made it this far! Oh, I didn't." I've, I've had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, I yeah, didn't I skip any exactly lines. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know, and especially when it's just like you. I haven't done any one woman shows, but like shows where it's just me and another mm -hmm. person, or where I have like some heavy monologuing or something like that. Um, I, I know exactly how that, mm -hmm. how that feels. Yes, yes, yes. I, I don't, I've have you, well, I've had to, I've had to say no to shows that are too that for mm -hmm. me. Like, I don't want to be raped on stage. You, you I know, don't. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to reenact it. I was just expecting to just tell it, you know? But mm -hmm. considering the director mm -hmm. that I had, who was Cassandra Freeman, she was like, mm -mm, no, you're all in it. 100%. Mm. Um, so I was just like, Phew. so, but during the process of 
rehearsing on top of the the uh, eight plus hour job that I had a day, um, I was researching articles about rape victims, their, their, the psychology of it, their mindset, where they, where their minds go in that moment, what their, where their minds are after the fact, you know, and it was, Ooh, God, it was, Ooh, I, I'm just got chills up my back thinking about it again. And it's really, it, it really opened up a lot to my understanding in regards to it. And I'm not going to say that I can relate because I will never really re- be able to relate. Like, thank, okay. thank God okay. on this earth, you know, that that hasn't happened to me. And I clearly empathize with those that it has happened to, but I understand a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we literally are putting on shells of people. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's we're we're yeah absolutely absolutely I had to I remember I walked out of a out of a reading mm. one time um because I didn't want to be raped on stage I did not want it I didn't want it was a stage reading too and I just said nope nope this is a hard no this is a hard no for me and that's not saying like I would never accept a, a role or something that where that was in the script but for the context of it being just this it, it, there weren't any stakes involved. It was like, I can walk away from right. this. I have autonomy in the work that I right. do. And that's one thing I'm I'm still learning is that I have autonomy in the work that I do. I don't have to say yes to every single thing exactly. that comes along. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to have those those boundaries. I, I takes, it takes me a very long time to be okay with being okay with saying no. <laughs> you know that I think that's um that's becoming like a buzz phrase right now, you know, that it's okay to say mm-hmm. no to things. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. cuz mm-hmm. it really is. You know? Um <laughs> all last uh, all through last year um during the work that Dan and I were doing and and theaters finally realizing that there's been racism going on in their theaters, um I've had to say no to a couple of theaters where they wanted me to do something for them either for free or even mm-hmm. for a pay. And I'm like, no, mm-mm. no. Mm-hmm. And th- this mm-hmm. was actually something <laughs> that, that my friend uh, Sade and I talked about where, where it's like, there, there are some people that are so scared to say no because they're afraid of getting blackballed or isolated from the theaters or the communities involving that theater. But it's like first of that is first of all, this is Michigan. This ain't New York or L.A. or Chicago, and it's not to set like that elitism tone. But come on now, this this is Michigan. We have so few professional theaters, and so few of those professional theaters are union theaters. We have mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. way more opportunities in other states to go do theater. That is a very real, I'm happy you said that. I'm happy to hear that because I don't hear that often because yeah. I, I turned down something last week and I felt terrible about it. Oh. But again, this is Michigan. This is Michigan. This is not, the stakes are not, are not there, but I wish we had the stakes, you know, I want to have I mean, stakes, that, it know? would be nice, you know, especially if uh, Snyder hadn't taken away the, the movie credits that we would have had that grand home had approved at first, you know, mm-hmm. I was so excited right. about that, but, um, I was so yeah, you should, you that. should never feel bad about saying no to a project. 
And then on top of that, you don't have to give an explanation. That's another piece that <laughs> is, is I'm learning even in my just everyday life. Like when I say no, not having to explain everything mm-hmm. that is, that is, that is the, the cherry or something on top of <laughs> where I'm trying to be <laughs> on saying no, because right. I will be an over explaining right. tool sometimes. Right. And it's just, sometimes it's, it's okay to just say, right. No. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> As a black queer woman in a white dominated industry, what kind mm-hmm. of obstacles and challenges have you faced because you're black and a queer woman and how have you overcome them? Challenge that I faced um, was recognizing that in some spaces for some companies, I am a black, I'm just a black body. That if I don't have the powerhouse black woman vocals, then I'm just there as a formality kind of thing, or just there as a, just to look like they're doing something. And that that hurt my spirit because it was in a space that I, I'm, I, have a lot of vulnerability mm-hmm. in uh, musical theater. That being musical theater, musical theater is something that I truly had a passion for. It was something I really wanted to do with my life, but I didn't have all of the the confidence and and pursuit to work at it the way that I could do straight theater um, because I didn't feel respected because I wasn't this black girl powerhouse vocalist. Right. That I did not feel supported. Nobody was trying to hear me hit these Audrey McDonald notes. <laughs> Want to be Audrey McDonald notes, <laughs> but nobody was trying to hear that. Mm-hmm. And and navigating through that has shifted my lens on my the expectations I have for the the community that I'm a part mm-hmm. of. Um, I another. So yeah, being the token black body during, and this is like right at the who, and I hate to say, well, who got who was killed by the police at that mm. as a as a reference to when this mm. when that was that that dead black body. We did uh, Wheels of a Dream from Ragtime, and Jesus Ragtime, <laughs> <laughs> girl, and I was the. The end of Act One for this this uh, this cabaret show, and I just you know I laid there, didn't get to sing the song, and I can't remember who, but this was this was their them showing that you know their their stance and their inclusivity and that they see and uh-huh. blah blah blah, and it did not feel like mm-hmm. that. It did not feel like that. If that was the case, then all, the other two black people in this show should have been on this floor too. But they were not. The mixed girl was not on the floor. <laughs> you know? Um, and then also being like light skinned black mm-hmm. on top of that, like that's a whole other piece because then people think they can use me as this medium mm-hmm. as well. Without Ooh, being... God. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, girl, you just hit a nerve on the back of my neck. Ooh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh. 
But you, because you know exactly where they like to, because if they're, they say, okay, we're going to use a black person. Mm -hmm. But if we use a black person and they don't know that they're thinking this, Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't always know that this is where their thought processes go. But history and me living a black ass life will tell Mm -hmm. you that black, that white people are threatened by people that are darker than I. Constantly. 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 For no reason at all. But literally have it just like microchipped into their brains. And and that that in that in itself is a challenge because then that's um it 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 just muddies up more of the of the 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 tomfoolery, really. Mm-hmm. Like it really just it adds more to the foolery because you can't really pick up I it's hard for me to pick. A p- pick it apart because there's still I'm still also existing under this light skin privilege of having even access to be this body yep. or to be this token like I, it's yep Ashley it's so it's so much it is and so I, much. I hope it's just so much. And, but I I just, yeah no, I'm sorry but it, the the other no, thing that that I come across is that I'm confused with being a mixed black person all the, mm. all the time, all mm. the time. And mm. <laughs> someone who, who I used to be friends with years ago where she has looked at my mother and my mother is light skin, just the same complexion as I am, you know? And she mm-hmm. thought that mm-hmm. my father was white. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she was at, she was asking me about my father. And I, and, and I asked her, hold on, what do you think my father looks like? Um, mm-hmm. he, that he looks like me. She was white too. That he mm-hmm. looks like me. I was like, no. <laughs> my father is light skinned too. It just happened to be that both my parents are light skinned, but I am all the way black yeah. like don't get it confused all the way black <laughs> like i i i've i've been mistaken as mixed and it's it's weird because i didn't i didn't know that i would have the expectation of white people to understand the different shades of brown that can mm-hmm. happen either you know because i know based on my skin complexion that both my parents are mm-hmm. black i know by looking at you and you're like a uh, like a shade and a half lighter than mm-hmm. me. I still know that both your parents right. are black, you know. And I can see I don't know, but like also black people can see black people at the end of the day. Like we really have a radar for all of the f- flavors because we are a flavorful people. We really can. We're. I mean, that's a that's a lens I would have never thought about really until this moment. But like we can really see. Who who's what? Who went where? I can sometimes get to a point where I'm like, oh no, your dad was black and your mom is white. You know, like I can, right? You can see that in people, and that that's one that's one of the reasons why things like that. What we were just talking about is the reason why Dan and I, Dan Johnson and I, started what we started yeah. um, mm-hmm. with our workshop. Because Mm -hmm. you have situations where people want to touch your hair, where people automatically assume that you're this when really you're this, 
It's like, that's not, that's not what we're here for. We're here to do a show. We're here to right. uh, play, you know, not for right. me to play in my mm-hmm. hair, not for you to make assumptions. Yeah. I think I've only had a few experiences where I was able to get away from all mm-hmm. that. And that's when I, and thanks again to Belicia Charnel Hines, she would go to the University of Windsor and do workshop, Sunday workshop with them and their theater students. Lionel Walsh was the, I think he's still the head of theater over there. And he, you know, she just built that relationship. Belicia would drag me along on Sunday mornings for workshop with them. And interacting with those theater students at the time was magical and life-changing for me because I didn't feel the same air of my Blackness looming when I interacted with one of my, like, at the time, white classmates. Mm -hmm. When I go and enter a space where people are not, they didn't grow up with the lens that we have on race and and being close to Black people or having opinions about, the same opinions about Black people or, um, and then having more exposure. Because, you know, in Canada, or especially in Windsor, you know, there's, like, some Haitians, there's Jamaican, there's a big, like, Afro... Caribbean community, like first and second generation type of things over there. And like, you could feel from their heart centers that they were different. Mm-hmm. And that changes how you, that, and, and you, and I felt seen as just a person, as an artist, not necessarily a black woman artist, you know, or actor, but it was, it showed me like, okay, America is just trash. Period. <laughs> Um, we can go and do our art in other countries more or less and, 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 and find the freedom that we know we're capable of. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that was, that's really, that's something that sticks with me. Now, what kind of moral support do you get for your artistic career? (sighs) It has shifted, I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my friends, friends come and see things. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, ah, that's a hard question. Cause I don't think it's exactly where I would want it to be. Right. But what I, what I've received, I am grateful and appreciative for. Mm-hmm. And you know, what it looks like is, you know, I have some of my friends when they are available, you know, they come to my shows. Um, my People, I've had a friend that came all the way from L.A. to make sure she saw my, well, she was coming back from L.A., but she made sure to see my show while she was in town kind of thing. But um, in the sense of I feel like where this question could steer, you know, people would be like, well, my family does this and my family, they've always been this and that. And I don't think I've had the support that I would have wanted from my family. Mm. Um, and I, I feel like it comes from a lot of different places, you know, being this outsider, the artist, the gay one, the weird one, the mentally unstable one, like all these different things. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've, I feel like I have gone a lot of time just doing and doing and doing and doing it. And it is almost invisible. Mm. and it's like I've been working at this for some time Mm -hmm. and 
my like so at a point some of my family would be like oh are you still doing this oh when's this or whatever but never actually invested mm-hmm. um my family also went through a thing the last i don't know 8 years or so when my my nana got really sick and that really uh, well, just dementia set in, and that changed a lot of dynamics in my family. Um, but I don't think I've, I think the support, people, I just, I don't think my family expected me to be this person, mm, like mm-hmm. to stick with it, because people will say, oh, I want to be an actor all the time. Right. But they didn't really think that I was going to stick with it, be good at it, and keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know why that doesn't allow them to give me the support that I would have wanted. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if I, if I really have like a, a good answer for that. I'm very grateful for my friends, you know, my, 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 my tribe, my pillars of support, I like to call them. Uh, but like, I don't have anything that's like, oh, this person is at every single show and that this person like does right. this. I just, right. People do what they can when they have the space to do what they can. Right. And uh, I've learned to be okay with that. Um, And it actually, sometimes I guess, I would say it makes me a little more nervous when my friends are in my show or my friends. Right. Cause now you got, now you got to pull all stops, you know, pull out all the stops. (laughs) And uh, that's why I appreciate it. When, when there is someone I know that comes to see me in a show, I appreciate Mm -hmm. it when they don't tell me. Just, like, don't tell me. Don't tell me you're there. Just don't. Right, just don't. Because then that way I can actually concentrate and not try to be showboaty for you. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you uh, you mentioned this, this uh, what I'm about to bring up on Facebook, about how people that don't know you support you more than people that know you. Yep. yep. And that's just that on that. Yep. So, you know, like, that's... That's just where it's at. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't take away, you know, the people that I know that do support me, but right. like, it's just, it, and I saw this also in that, uh, what was that movie with Denzel Washington's son, Malcolm and Marie, wasn't mm, it? Or mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Zendaya had a, a little, out of the many monologuings that happened, she <laughs> said, um, she was saying something like, when someone, when, when someone is, cares for you and they realize that they're in love with you um they're no longer like when someone is at when someone's in love with you like they're no longer they no longer like care I don't I'm not doing what she actually said justice but I'm trying to just get it like people that love you don't always support you the strongest yeah 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 and it doesn't change that they love you and that you know that they love you Mm -hmm. but they are not always the the ride or dies right. in the, in certain spaces. So tell me how you keep your mental health in check and keep yourself performance ready. I go to therapy, girl. I'm doing I'm doing twice a week right now because stuff is sticky. Okay? Listen, we're still getting over 2020. Okay, like, I am. I'm still trying to get over 2016. Okay, <laughs> that was like and. Uh, so I, I go to therapy. Mm-hmm. I have a therapist. She is my ride or die for real. I, I, I can't sit here and just listen. Mm, I've been meditating. I drink some tea. I do some yoga. Like I can't even stay here in front. I am, <laughs> I am just trying to figure it out every single day right. because things have 
changed in the way that I am able to cope and keep myself ready. Mm-hmm. I think I'm in this, I'm in a phase right now of discovering what it actually takes to stay ready because I got, you know, so I, I went to, I went to Wayne State, graduated, and then was working, working, working literally up until the pandemic. So I was always just in this go, go, go. And then the pandemic happens. So I'm chilling, I'm living this corporate life. I'm, you know, doing anti-corona things and whatever. And now I have a film that's about to uh, reshoot in the summer. I have the show at Open Book. And I'm like, okay, here we are. We're about to be busy. Got two (laughs) scripts right now. Even the audition for Open Book. Kay hit me up. She was like, yeah, come come through for for this callback or whatever. But I still... Well, I was, I, you know, there was a piece of me that was like, okay, yeah, you know what you're going to go into. You know who you're auditioning for. You know where you're going, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait a minute, sis. Act <laughs> like you know. Act <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Fill out the audition form ahead of time. Right. You know, take a picture of your vaccination card. Mm-hmm. I did not have any monologues ready. They were asking for a monologue on the form and I I left it blank and it, and it made my stomach churn. So I was like, this is not me. This is not me, but I'm not ready. Right. I don't have any material. I can't remember the last play that I read. Ooh, you know, girl, that wasn't yeah. a show that I was actively doing. I don't, I haven't sat down in a monologue workshop in who knows how long. I, you know, I'm, I do not have my P's and Q's right now. I'm on like U's and V's. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> on a couple of Q's and, you know, you some know. major Q's, major questions. Okay. Right. Like on some so, M's and some W's, you know, just up and down. <laughs> up and down. So I'm actually in a phase right now of really recalibrating where I'm where I'm gonna head now that there's some light at the end of the tunnel because I also didn't know that I would be doing a show a year and some change later I thought we were gonna sit in corona times for a minute for people a minute. were not gonna let that happen I was I was it was I mean it was so dark like between like May and July August mm-hmm. of last year and then like and then like when winter hit like it was just so bleak and i just did not know like would i ever be able to do this ever again like i felt like like a piece of me had died mm-hmm. so now i'm in this revival stage and what i'm doing is going to therapy twice a week good um i did an 8:30 a.m. workout on a hill yesterday <laughs> you got to get it <laughs> with uh with um Sam from Shakespeare in Detroit and I'm going to start looking at my scripts. I have a goal, a plan to just go on Dramatist Inc and just start ordering some stuff, just mm-hmm. start reading stuff and just get back to get back in the game. 2020, I was supposed to get new headshots. And while people did, like headshots are definitely a Corona thing you can do. Right. Uh, I just wasn't in the space for it. Right. You know, I was like, what am I going to get headshots for? And, and then, okay, so then we had the whole thing of like, everyone was doing self-tapes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do a self-tape. <laughs> I, and so, but I, that's also the realm of where we're at now. People aren't going to do an initial audition. You're probably going to go through three video auditions before they call you. Mm-hmm. So I also need to 
get my self tape game together, get me a ring light and, um, and, and get, and get that together. So I'm actually in that process right now. So it's not anything solid, but I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at now. Okay. Okay. Now tell me a little bit about this podcast. The lesbian dating app disaster podcast. I gotta say, I listened to the first episode. (laughs) I just kept saying, what, what? what (laughs) throughout the entire episode (laughs) that's my life it's just what uh so um the lesbian dating app disasters podcast is a podcast about my dating life from online Mm. my lesbian dating life from tinder well excuse me i would say the her app mostly because that's where a lot of the initial stories come from but I have material that comes from Tinder. I have material that comes from OkCupid. I'm not on any apps right now because I just, I don't have time to, to for new stories to come my way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I got enough going on. I have enough that things that have happened due to online dating with women. Mm-hmm. And these, these I, are all your stories. These are all my stories. Okay. Yes. Uh, I have I have goals and plans to incorporate other stories because I've heard some crazy ones. And it's awesome that I've created this space for people to just tell me their dating stories mm-hmm. because I don't hear enough of just lesbian shenanigans. I don't hear enough of them. And there's not a lot of spaces for them right. that I've found that are, are a two-way street. Really, you know, it's one thing for someone to get online and they're just like a blogger and they're just talking about this. But I really want to be just a place to just share those stories because it's a very, it, I mean, it's my life. It's a piece of my life, an everyday piece of my life. And I like knowing how other people exist in this realm because there's so many different flavors of lesbians. Like, wow, we, wow, we, the things get crazy, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a, it's on all major platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, Pocket Cast, and it's now in over, it's now been listened to in over 20 countries. Good for you. Look at you. And that's really cool to think about. I, it's pride month now. So now I got to start cranking the stuff out Mm -hmm. like I gotta I gotta it's up and it's up and it's up and it's stuck you know (laughs) (laughs) so I that's that's where I'm at with it but it is it is a journey Mm -hmm. being on this end of creation Mm -hmm. because I'm used to existing in my creative self with other people around me, AKA doing theater, doing a scene, doing a show, doing whatever. So to take my own creative essence and willpower and funnel it into something and then still put it out into the public is bananas for me. Mm -hmm. It's it's very bananas, but I like, I like it though. I like it. It makes me feel independent in a way. Mm -hmm. It it makes me feel self-sufficient in a way, like a self-sufficient artist. Like I don't need to stand with a cast of six people to feel like I'm doing art. Right. (laughs) It makes me feel like I, I, and it it, it helped me cope with the, with the pandemic, not being able to do things with my people, my friends, my community. It gave, it, it helped me find a new, a new, 
I don't I don't I don't I don't want to use purpose, but I would just say new outlet, new avenue right. that it, a new niche that mm-hmm. I can really sit and focus in on. And it's only me. Um, when I had the other podcast, the hierarchy, it it was both of us, um, you know, two hosts. When we started it originally, she was still in California and then I was here and it it was just so many things right. and, and, and just being just like the soul, everything here, being able to make all the choices, being the ultimate one in control, because who doesn't want to be in control? Right. It feels great. <laughs> it feels great. So yeah, the uh, lesbian dating app disasters podcast is on all major platforms. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, the, our, the Instagram is at her dating disasters. And I and, definitely um, recommend it because it, episode one is a humdinger of a story. <laughs> it is it is a complete disaster. <laughs> the disasters don't stop. And that's when I'm just like, who did I piss off that I cannot <laughs> fall in love with any woman that they all just really keep playing me like this? Oh, like I don't I don't know who I who I angered, but um it's a journey and I have many, many episodes and hope to share many many other stories outside of my own right now this is my final question for you and it's something that i ask all of my guests and it's called the queen's request so i want you to suggest to me one or two black michigan women artists that we should be looking out for and it could be in any genre it could be actor, singer, dancer, burlesque performer, rapper, uh, mm. whatever. And when and when I use when I use the word women, I I spell it with an X. It, mm-hmm. it, from my understanding, it's it's controversial, but then it's not controversial to use it with an X. But I'm referring to binary women and non-binary individuals. So you got it. Okay. Your request. The first one. Mm-hmm. Her name is K Bay. K A Y B A E. K Bay. Is that her in uh their Instagram too? Uh yes. The Instagram I believe is K Bay Music. Yes, K Bay Music. Um this she is a U of M alumni, entrepreneur. She's also a rapper. She has this awesome song called Detroit Girl Anthem, mm-hmm. also on all streaming platforms. Her EP, uh, West Side Gemini, is also on all streaming platforms. Check her out. You're not going to be disappointed. The content is there. It, like there, She's literally actually like saying things in her, in her work. Um, and Detroit Girl Anthem is uh, her big single right now. Okay. And that's also my best friend. So <laughs> definitely there. Now, this woman, the next woman, um, I saw her. She's a DJ. She did a set at Movement, at Micro Movement. And changed the whole game of the whole area, the whole vibe of the event, and just my whole weekend. Uh, her name's DJ Holographic. She was great, like mm-hmm. hitting the 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 house soul techno lane for at least for that set anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And just just the set was mesmerizing. When people write about, oh, I fell in love with the DJ last night. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> like that's that's where that's I was the DJ. At. <laughs> that was the DJ for me. This was my I fell in love with the DJ, the way the mm, 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 hit my soul and the <laughs> that is that that's she did that for me. I had never felt um felt that fall in love for the DJ thing that people write about and talk mm. about. But that that happened for me this weekend. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. is there anything else that you want to promote? Any social media, any websites? So it's it's titled currently as her h-e-r colon the lesbian dating app disasters podcast however if you put in lesbian dating app disasters it'll show up if you type in lesbian dating with my name it should still show up the instagram is at her dating disasters and yeah it's on all major platforms so somewhere you should be able to find this podcast. Okay. (laughs) Well, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the mess out of you today. This was just... Thank you so much, Ashley. I enjoyed you as well. Listen, this was just... This was so... I felt seen. I felt Mm. seen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation. It was very necessary. And I don't think I get a chance to even uh, have this this type of. I mean, we just haven't had the type this type of conversation because of a Panda Express outside, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. We probably would have had this conversation like a year ago, right? But then of the panoramics, you know, <laughs> the Pandora's box. You know, we're in a Pepsi can. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm stopping it because we can just go on for hours. Okay. <laughs> Thank you again. I got more. Thank you again. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find Black Queens On Stage podcast and Black Literature and Art Queens Network at blackqueensonstage.com and blaqn.org. Follow me on Instagram at blaqn show Michigan on Facebook at B-L-A-Q Show Michigan and on Twitter at B-L-A-Q-N-M-I. You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time.